As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Beyond Terrestrial Podcast. My Beyonders, my friends, this is Lee coming to you from the Haunted Barn Studios in the Bell Witch's Backyard? Question mark? Yeah, it's still the Bell Witch's Backyard. And here with me is uh, my good friend and uh, permanent co-host, Mr. Dan Martzen. Dan, how you doing today and where are you coming to us from? Really good, guys. I am back at it again down here, just a little ways from the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his infamous deal with the devil. And I am really excited about the show we have today, Lee. Oh, yes, sir. We have an interview with an excellent guest. Um, she is uh, the director of MUFON for Tennessee, and um, she is an amazing person to talk to. Dan, you really made this connection, so I'm going to pass it off to you to intro her a little bit more. Um, yeah, well, Angelia Shear um, is the director for MUFON. Uh, we got in touch with MUFON after um, we heard about the Starlink episode that we just did, Lee. Um, we wanted to know what makes a good UFO sighting, and... The people at the good people at MUFON put us in touch with Angelia, and I got to tell you, her interview is one for the ages. I think it might be one of the best episodes of Beyond Terrestrial we've ever done. Well, I mean, aside from that one where I just made fart noises with my hands, that one was pretty good. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was like half of the Black Knight satellite episode you did. Uh, pretty much, actually. That was pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Our our 
our hardcore listeners, our good beyonders, will know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> but guys, let's um, this interview. We get pretty deep, and it's uh, probably some of the most informative stuff we've ever talked about. So, guys, let's uh, let's get to it. Um, we're going to talk about how to spot a UFO with Angelia Shear. Um, but first, let's take a quick break. Hey folks, I'm Chris. Hey, and I'm James. Did you know that the state of Delaware has had only one serial killer since its creation? Did you know that the state of Arizona has one of the best cases of alien abduction on record? Did you also know that famed untouchable Elliot Ness was thwarted by the Cleveland Torso murderer? What in the world? That sounds absolutely terrifying. Are you ready for a road trip? If so, please join James and I each episode as we discuss all this and more on State of Fear Podcast. Ride shotgun on our dark and wonderful ride down America's byways and highways as we unravel the strange and macabre in your state. State of Fear, where the things that go bump in the night are in your backyard. Angelia Shear is a paranormal researcher with an extensive UFO background. She is currently the director of the Tennessee branch of MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. MUFON's mission is to investigate UFO sightings, collecting data, sharing their research database with others, as well as educating the public on the potential impact of the UFO phenomenon on society. Angelia heads a special investigative team for MUFON, holds a day job, and is now a self-published author, and has found time in her busy schedule to speak with us at Beyond Terrestrial. Angelia, we're very glad to have you on the show. Hey guys, thank you. I appreciate you having me on tonight. I was excited to talk with you guys. Awesome. Is we're there anything... to have you on also. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners about your... Uh, research experience and credentials. Uh, guys, I've probably uh, been dogging this for about 37 plus years, uh, to say the least. I've been obsessive about it. Uh, I was raised by a professor. Uh, he was a professor over at Vanderbilt University, the old Peabody College. So I was raised in a very open uh, atmosphere. I understood Drake's equation when I was very young, which was just the statistical analysis of the universe, the possibility of carbon-based life in the universe. And um, so I was just obsessed from the time I was a little girl. I understood how big the universe was, and I thought it was just really silly to think we were the only things around. So um, my mother said I was a strange little girl. I would watch um, Star Trek, the original one. I'll date myself. And she said sometimes I would cry, and she'd go, Ange, what's wrong? And I went, hey, I'm supposed to be out there with those guys. So uh, I've been dogging this for a long time, guys. I've been pretty serious about it. So, no, that's really cool. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into uh, the topic of the day. Uh, essentially, how to spot and and report a UFO. Um, can you describe the process that a reported UFO sighting goes through from? where and how you collect uh, these sightings all the way through uh, your investigation and reporting. 
Sure. Um, it depends. Uh, if we go through MUFON, I'm the state director for MUFON. And um, also, I have a, a private research group uh, called Parachute Research. I founded that. Some people do not want to make a report in a database. You know, people are already frightened um, as it is. Uh, but to start off with MUFON, all you have to do is go to MUFON's uh, database, MUFON.com, and there's an easy report form for you to file a report online. Once that goes on to through the online process with MUFON, if it is a report that was reported in Tennessee, because I'm the state director, it's automatically sent to my phone, my email. I get those reports immediately. I evaluate each report, and then I assign it to a proper field investigator. I do have field investigators all over the state. Uh, if they're locally, I take certain cases still. Um, and then those cases are, in, they start the investigative process. You know, we uh, c contact the witness. We talk about the facts of the case. We do a lot of background work. We check local airports. We check the weather. The, you know, it's a very extensive process that my field investigators go through to be trained. Um, and then we, you know, after we investigate the case, we make a determination of whether we think it is an identifiable object or if it is an unidentified object. And that's kind of the basic run through on the MUFON process. That's really cool. So, I mean, it's almost as simple as filling out an online form for someone who sees something that they can't explain. That's exactly correct. I mean, the forms are very extensive. There's forms for just the general sighting. There's psychological forms. Um, sometimes people have physical symptoms. Sometimes they have missing time. Um, there's a, you know, people don't really understand how complicated these cases are. I've been doing this a long time. People, you know, I talk to police officers. I talk to uh, politicians, housewives. I mean, it doesn't matter. And, the, you know, it's really poignant to me because one of the first things that people say, I bet 99% of the time, uh, please don't think I'm crazy. You know, I have to kind of, you know, go in and um, reassure people that I've probably interviewed about 3,000 people at this point. I can pretty much tell who's telling me the truth now at this point and who's not. Um, and, you know, most of my witnesses, they don't, you know, the ones that are so serious, these things have changed their life. A lot of them, their whole belief system has been changed. They don't want any notoriety. They don't want money. They want to stay anonymous. So, you know, when I lecture, I tell people, why would someone make up a story so either their family members, their friends, or their people at their workplace could make fun of them for the rest of their life? Um, just doesn't make sense, especially when you're not getting paid for it or any notoriety. So um, people are having some pretty extraordinary experiences out there. Really cool. And that kind of goes to Lee's next question. Lee? So you, you mentioned something about uh, about this in your uh, initial description, um, but you've said that most reports turn out to be something that is a simple or more simple explanation than extraterrestrial visitors. Can you tell us more about how you weed out these common misidentifications mis from genuinely strange experiences that require a full investigation? Yeah, um, you know, that's again where you're a good investigator. You know, again, my team, 
Uh, I'm proud of my team. I have pilots. I have paramedics. One of my newest team members, he's actually a federal investigator. He actually worked on the space shuttle Challenger crash. Uh, we are serious people. Um, I was out in the field, I don't know, about two weeks ago, hiking down a creek at 11 o'clock at night with all my gear around my neck. And it was like 28 degrees. So I want you guys, to, first of all, to know we're pretty serious about what we do. We can usually get to the bottom of things. You know, I tell people this isn't glamorous sometimes. Um, you know, we probably explain... 98% of what comes in. And that's just good field work. You know, we do a search for local airports, um, helipads, uh, you know, uh, life flight uh, situations. You know, um, SpaceX has just launched a whole series of new satellites. I mean, those things. There is so much space junk and satellites up there now that, you know, they're pretty easy to spot. And, you know, even me, I'm fooled sometimes. I pulled the car over a couple of months ago and got out of my car to watch something. And it just was a jet on approach, but just at a very unusual angle. It looked exactly like a triangular craft. So, you know, I have uh, compassion for people. You know, there's just a lot of misidentification. Uh, you guys would smile. I get probably hundreds of photos of Venus when Venus uh, is very bright, and it has been. You know, people, they say, Ange, you know, it moved. Well, there's stellar drift and, you know, there's, you know, the stars do move because of the rotation of the planet. Um, you know, there's one, another common thing I get is lens flares. People take a, a picture into the sun or even into the moon, a street light, a bright light, surf, you know, uh, object, and we get a lens flare. And there, some of them are pretty spectacular. Uh, the secret to that, I train my field investigators, is most people don't see that with a naked eye. It just shows up on the uh, photograph. So, you know, most of the time, you know, we have a lot to do. We don't want to give, give away all of our secrets, but we have, you know, techniques that we can, you know, kind of filter out and determine um, what we think the object might have been. You know, we have lots of cool programs now. Uh, I use a satellite program. It tracks, you know, all the satellites going over. I can tell when the eye, my phone actually beeped. I finally made it stop. The ISS was going over so many times. That thing is bright. <laughs> I mean, to watch that thing I have the same app. Incredible, yeah. Um, high altitude <laughs> weather balloons are pretty startling. You know, when they reach a certain altitude, um, they actually hyperexpand, and then, you know, they'll um, actually explode. And they have all kinds of things hanging off of them. So if you look at those, even with binoculars, they look pretty spectacular, like a huge jellyfish sometimes. So there's all different kinds of things that we can identify. And we don't talk about that much because those aren't fun. Um, you know, we really like to get into what we can't explain. It, it's funny that you mentioned the SpaceX thing. The episode that's going to release just before this one releases is all about that. It's about a mis about an uh, somebody that reported a an identification, um, essentially of some of those SpaceX probes or what we think they are. And we got an interview with them on on the very last. Like it'll be the episode that releases just before this one. So um, that that's that's really interesting that that was brought up to you as well. I'm glad you guys are on top of that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, those are, they're pretty spectacular. I watch all those things. I'm a nerd. Um, it's pretty incredible what our engineers can do. I mean, people uh, it, just go out and study, you know, what's going on with basic engineering. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think it's um, really easy for people to misidentify a new technology that they have no experience with as an unidentified object. Um, And that'll bring me to my next question, Angelia. I saw uh, you posted up some videos on YouTube. Uh, For our listeners, if you just search Angelia Shear on YouTube, those videos will come up. And one of them that I really liked, um, they were all great. Um, but the transforming lights video that you put up, I think is a great behind the scenes look at your process and our listeners should definitely watch that video so they get a better idea of what we're talking about. Um, can you briefly describe some of the equipment that you use, uh, and other techniques you use on your field investigations of something that is genuinely strange? Sure. Uh, One thing I want to back up, um, you introduced me as a paranormal investigator. Um, That's fine. I just want to, I like to speak to that. My definition of paranormal is not a ghost. It is not that. My definition of paranormal is anything our current science just doesn't understand. So under the umbrella of a UFO investigator, what true all boots on the ground researchers know is paranormal components always seep into our long-term cases. They always do. If you interview any long-term investigator, they're going to tell you that because that's just what happens. Um, But as we go out on a field investigation, that transforming lights, that was an incredible, incredible case. I had a young man send me uh, that video. Those were the original videos from a, a, a relatively inexpensive trail cam that he had put out in his backyard in this wooded section. And he caught those objects in there. You know, it looks like a rod of light that actually touches down on the ground and actually transforms into what looks like an entity that walks around. And it goes behind a tree, and if it's the same thing, comes out as an orb of light. Couldn't debunk it. Put it through some forensics. Um, You know, we just thought it was the real deal. So we packed up the whole crew, as the video says, and went over. And, you know, we've got all kinds of things. One of my favorite instruments is a FLIR camera. And my little FLIR camera, I have, that's, I captured um, the picture that's in that video with those FLIR cameras. But we use uh, field meters. We measure uh, just magnetic field deter- uh, disturbances. We use compasses. Uh, we use the FLIR cameras. Um, I just bought a new, it's an IR binocular, which it's got all kinds of great settings on that. Um, I have woods down below my house, and just to tell you how wicked accurate that thing is, I can see little bunny rabbits jumping around in the woods at night. Um, and they look pretty spooky through those things. So um, modern technology is great. I mean, it has brought, you know, the dead, um, still quiet of the woods alive to all of us investigators that are out sitting in those woods sometimes all night long. So um, we try to bring cameras. We have movie cameras. We um, record from different sources. Uh, We go back and not look just at the video footage, but we're also listening Um, people don't realize, you know, if we get five, six hours of video footage, you're sitting there listening to it five or six hours because you go through every minute, not just to rule out any visual effects, but if you get any auditory anomalies that come through, um, that might need to be slowed down or speeded up, that kind of thing. So we use a range of different equipments and you know what guys, we've learned to just trust our senses. When you've been outside that long, you know, sometimes you just get a strange feeling and, you know, the whole team now get it. 
and you think, oh, oh, something's coming, you know, let's, let's see what's going to happen here. So I'm really proud of my team. We've been out in some pretty um, scary spots. Um, we all protect ourselves. I'll just put it that way. Um, you never know what you might come across because we're in the middle of nowhere. And so, you know, what we do is sometimes um, dangerous. I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere looking into some really strange things that are going on. Yeah. I And I think this is uh, great. It talks, it really speaks to your guys' experience as investigators. I mean, we're talking federal investigators, um, all kinds of stuff. And you know what, Angelia? It's, uh, it's Tennessee. Uh, I live in Mississippi. Uh, Lee's up there in the Bell Witch's backyard right there in Tennessee. Um, we came from Idaho. Like, I understand going out in the woods, you got to you got to be ready for anything, and that involves protecting yourself, for you sure. You don't know if there's a dangerous animal out there or a dangerous human being or, you know. Dangerous. A, a, I'm more worried about a dangerous human being. Me, me but, too. A pot um, grower oh, yeah. or something like that that you don't know about. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that ended up being mm-hmm. a great case. I mean, we you had, know. Yeah, we had a, a lot of anomalous activity on that case. We had a... A drone that I mentioned that um, it was 70 degrees clear. We flew it down an estuary, and the thing started sending back all kinds of crazy um, notes to us, like electromagnetic interference and collision, collision. It had auto collision on it. There was nothing there. We couldn't see anything. We almost lost it. It was um, just that Josh, um, my assistant state director, has such a good skill set with the drone. He was able to get it back, or we would have lost about a $2,000 piece of equipment in the river. Um, The compasses were spinning out of control in that area. We also found in the research that there was a plane crash in the late 40s there, a military plane crash. And it was like one of the pilots that survived or one of the crew, he said that the instrumentation um, went crazy. So it was almost like even over land, they didn't know where they were, which was, you know, matched up with what was happening to us. And then as we went back to the primary location later that evening, um, where the actual trail cam video footage was taken, that's when the entity came up on our FLIR camera, and it actually seemed to be trying to signal us. I mean, it was not shy. We could not, it wasn't in the normal visual spectrum. We could only see it on the FLIR camera, but it was definitively there, so it was pretty incredible. That's amazing. Um, now, this this plane crash, now that's actually super interesting. Uh, this was... During World War II, the plane crash was 1940, early you know 1940s? What? I, it was late 40s. Um, I could go back. It's It was over in West Tennessee. You guys could probably look it up. Um, I just didn't make a note of it tonight. But, yeah, it was pretty big deal. There was debris spread all across that area, especially in that waterway uh, where we were. It was, you know, right in the same area. So I thought that was pretty interesting that something happened in that same area. I get that a lot. Um, it seems like certain pieces of property, certain locations just have a higher incident of paranormal activity than others, for sure. Well, people speak of that like a vortex kind of situation and other things like that on a lot of the, uh, stuff that I, I, I look into. Um, and I don't know, like, they'll say it's a vortex of all sorts of paranormal energy, vortex of um, ghost paranormal energy, demonic energy, or um, just uh, electromagnetic energy. Um, that that sounds reminiscent of the stories of, like, electromagnetic storms and stuff like that, that I'm not sure 
Like personally, I don't know. Uh, but when I look at it, um, and I hear somebody say, Oh, I was flying from Cuba and then I flew into a, uh, flew into a storm that circled around me. And all of a sudden I'm in, um, in Florida and I'm an hour and a half ahead of schedule or something like that. I, I, I start to get a little like skeptical. Um, that doesn't mean it's not true. I just start listening more intently to try to find where the, uh, clues are. Um, but, uh, that that's one of those clues. Like if you think about it, if they're if they're say, if they're having um, electromagnetic equipment issues, i.e. things like the um, things like the uh, wow words are hard. Sorry, um, things like the um, the compasses going around, and you're experiencing it as well. And then your drones are experiencing electromagnetic issues. Um, maybe there's something going on there, at least with the Earth's magnetic field at the very minimum. Um, on the higher end, maybe there's something paranormal and strange, really strange going on. Remember my definition of paranormal. My definition, again, of paranormal, I want to stress that, is just anything our current science really just doesn't have a handle on. And on the surface of the Earth and, you know, in areas... Uh, shifting magnetic fields is really normal. You know, people think these, you have a magnetic field detector, it's a ghost detector. No, Mm -hmm. all it is measuring is a shift in the magnetic field. We just use that as a clue. I just talked to a plasma physicist up at a university, been doing some research, you guys can check it out, where he actually, um, it was partial electron tunneling, and I don't want to misspeak for him, but he literally was able to record Um, a vortex or a portal kind of phenomena. Now, that was off the Earth, and it was very, you know, electron particles. But it it really matched up with some of my research in that I've kind of made some common, I search common denominators. And it seems like if we get, this is interesting, a place uh, on on the Earth where the magnetic field goes to zero, that means we're not having a disturbance, and there's high solar flare activity, things really click up. And he actually connected some of this electron tunneling with solar flare activity, which, so I called him up and he was really nice to talk to me. Um, So, you know, everything I'm always searching for scientific explanations, and that doesn't mean that sometimes incredible things don't happen because they do. Uh, We are very limited in our understanding of physics. I think we're very arrogant to think, you know, we really understand everything that's going on. I have witnesses, one of my favorite cases, uh, the uh, strange case of Witness J, he had three hours of missing time. And by sheer dumb luck, his cell phone was still running from a movie, and we caught two hours and 20 minutes of the scariest audio you've ever heard of while he was having missing time. Um, I mean, there's just, you know, really strange things going on. Uh, After that case, he started, he had a huge breakout of paranormal events that happened in his house. The family was well-to-do, so they bought a high-end security system. They captured orbs flying through the house. These are self-illuminated balls of light. Um, I mean, the list just goes on and on. You know, I, I've gotten into talking to hunters here lately just because they're good old boys, been carrying a gun since they were four, and, you know, aren't prone to, I don't believe in any of that stuff. And they've a lot of those guys have had some pretty extraordinary experiences, so I really like talking to them. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we're always trying to track down an explanation, and even an explanation for when we have paranormal activity or UFO sightings that we cannot identify. I mean, some of those, I think you asked me earlier, you know, what is a good sighting? You know, I tell people, 
there, we have so much tech now. I mean, we've got, you know, all kinds of, you know, military aircraft. We've got satellites. We've got drones. It's really hard to, to make out what's going on. But if you have an object that comes in and stops dead still, moves off at a hard angle, you know, doesn't stay on the same trajectory, um, yeah, take a look at that. I mean, those, you know, the G-forces that, you know, would really affect the human body. And I know we have more technology now, but some of these objects actually stop and just change direction completely and go off in a different direction. Those we find really interesting. Those I would tell people really pay attention to those. Okay. Really cool. And uh, I just one more thing about the Transforming Lights story before we move on. I love mm-hmm. stories about 1940s plane crashes. Uh, up in North Idaho, where I grew up, uh, there was a B-17 that crashed during World War II. The government came in, bulldozed the whole thing, buried it because it had top-secret equipment inside. Um, and I think just... The idea of the government coming in, men in black suits, um, the secrecy involved, it's part of the genesis for uh, a lot of these UFO stories where we hear. Uh, even though I've checked out the MUFON database, it has stories going back pre-war, so there's a lot of great stuff there. Um, anyways, Lee, would you like to take the next question? Absolutely. So if any of our listeners are sky watchers and um, you did kind of give us an idea of how to do this, but um, our sky watchers or UFO hunters or they just have a close encounter, um, what do they need to know um, to make sure they get a full and complete report? Like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is there is there anything that you would suggest our listeners to think of or to try to think about um when they're when they're in that moment to try to think about, oh, well, like, um, do they videotape it or is videotape not usually very um, workable? Or if they don't have that on hand, what what kind of things do you want them to take note of so that they can give a clear report of? Sure. Um, I tell all my witnesses, keep a journal. Anybody out there that's listening that watch that, you know, is out watching the sky or you've had some unusual experiences Guys, my whole new book is about um, human perception and not only some of my best cases, but how these events seem to affect human perception. Uh, Memory is state dependent. That means if you are in a highly charged state and then you revert back to your normal state, you're going to forget a lot of what happened in that highly charged state. That's just how memory works. So I tell my witnesses Keep a journal, you know, with you. Uh, Write down all the details that you can think of while the event is happening. You know, take some video. Um, If you have some there with you, everybody validate each other. Are you seeing this? What are you seeing? And use all of your senses. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you feeling? Um, Even what are you smelling? I I use hypnosis with witnesses, some of them that have uh, memory fragmentation. And I go through, you know, each of the modalities that we have to use our senses to help kind of jog people's memory. Because when we all get really excited, um, we forget things. Um, You know, you're scared, your adrenaline's pumped up. So I tell people, as long as you're safe, you know, just take a breath, stop. 
feel your feet on the ground, and then take note. Is the hair standing up on my arm? Uh, does the atmosphere seem to be ionized around my body? Do I smell anything? Do I taste anything? Do I hear anything? Um, you know, all of those little details are really important when we're investigating because if it's just an airplane, if it's just something, you know, let's say you're not going to have a strange odor or, you know, you're not going to have a strange feeling. You know, I tell people, I, you know, healthy human beings, we've survived a long time because we have healthy instincts. You know, I tell people, you can walk into a room and tell if somebody's angry. You can tell if somebody's sad. You know, we can feel those things. Well, trust your instincts. If you're out in a situation and you feel bad, get your butt out of there. You know, um, you know, don't put yourself in any kind of danger because, you know, people go missing every day. I don't know if you're familiar with David Polite's work. We had dinner not too long ago and Travis Walton and we were all talking about, you know, a lot of people go missing in our national parks and forests, and I mean, completely disappear. So, absolutely, um, I tell people be safe. Yeah, be safe. Um, and then, like I said, just really try to take a breath and um, write down as many details as you possibly can remember and record at that time. And keep a journal after that. Sometimes, after people sleep um, for a day or so. Thing, other things will come back to them that, you know, I have people, I'll talk to them on a, an initial interview and I tell my witnesses, listen, I don't abandon anybody. There are rules of engagement, but again, these things are psychologically, you know, very unsettling to people. And so I tell them if they need me, call me, or if they think of something else uh, for the report, give me a call back and let's get it in the report. Absolutely. You mentioned David Politis, and I, I love the the four hundred one or four missing four one one books and all that. I love his stories. I, I've heard him on several podcasts as well. Um, it, it's a great thought pro, or it's a great look into something that not very many. Uh, uh, it's just strange that there's not a database of it. I mean, you've got the national park system, and to me, it's just strange that it took somebody coming from outside the outside the um, to even think about there's there maybe there's a connection so and that you know a lot of the serious investigators we're trying to go across um borders and what i mean about that is you know before the ufo people wouldn't talk to the paranormal people and the paranormal people were scared of the ufo people and you know the ufo people wouldn't talk to the bigfoot people and you know it's just ridiculous i mean anybody that's a, a serious researcher knows that this stuff crosses over. I mean, you know, when I was a young investigator, I, you know, I had the strict scientific method and, you know, I was not going to let it be contaminated. And yet here, all the crazy stuff started happening. I called it, you know, anomalous lights coming through the window, orbs, um, you know, other types of paranormal events and, you know, good science. You just cannot, leave that stuff out. Again, when 98% of my ongoing cases are reporting these unusual events, you have to take those into account. So David Plytus, he's just a great guy. He's an incredible investigator. I think you probably know the beginning of his story. I mean, he um, requested information from the government and after, you know, for missing persons. And I think at one point they told him it cost him $125,000 
you know, I think that's why all of us investigators, you know, have kind of gone it on our own. If we were waiting, you know, for this information just to be released, although we are in a time of what I think is soft disclosure, um, we wouldn't have anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's such a different attitude now. You know, years ago, my phone was tapped. My mail got open. I thought, well, if all this is bull, why are you tapping my phone and opening my mail, somebody? You know, but the attitude is a lot different now. I mean, in the last two years, I have seen things I've never seen. Um, the government admitting that they have been studying UFOs, releasing that incredible uh you know, footage out of the cockpit of that naval pilot on Tucker Carlson. You know, even NASA has come forward and said, oh, yeah, we've discovered exoplanets that are just like Earth. Well, what does that mean, guys? I mean, they're saying that. That means that life is probably abundant everywhere. So um, so it's been pretty, um, I've been pretty hopeful. It seems like the attitude you know, has changed anywhere I go now. Um, my honey, he makes fun of me. He's a country music singer. And he said that anywhere I go, it takes me only about seven minutes to bring up what I do. But, you know, 85 to 90 percent of everyone I talk to wants to tell me their story. You know, he's, a you know, out with all these great singers. And the other day, a famous singer came over and said, oh, my God, I got to tell you about a UFO I saw, you know, 15 years ago. So it's, you know, everybody has these, well, most people have had their strange encounter of some kind or another. That's like uh, me with Jeopardy. It takes about five seconds and I'm like, hey guys, you know, I was on Jeopardy that one time. No big deal. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I I do the same thing with the podcast. I'm like, hey guys, did you know that I uh, I run a podcast? (laughs) Um, We we can't help ourselves. (laughs) Oh yeah, I know. There was some other stuff you touched on, Angelia, that I think is really good. Um, You were talking about experiencers and uh, them journaling their their contact with these strange events um i was actually listening to the mad scientist podcast lee he did an interview with an experiencer archivist and she was talking about how uh experiencers tend to not it not just have one close encounter um these events take place over the course of weeks months years um, Absolutely. And, I listened to the same one. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was well, guys, really that's good what, stuff. That's what my book is about. I mean, I studied at the Monroe Institute for about 13 years in a row. It is actually a study of human consciousness. Uh, I've studied human perception. Mm-hmm. People really don't understand in general how a human perceives. They think our eyes like a camera. That is farthest from mm-hmm. the truth. Our brains are completely constructing what we're externally experiencing to some degree. And what I found, you know, when I was a young researcher and I didn't have a lot of money, I did have endless witnesses that I could study. So I've been not only studying the phenomena, I've been studying my witnesses for 37 years. And these people were changed. They fell into either two categories. Either they were sensitive from birth. And when I say sensitive from birth, they were having unusual ongoing experiences since they were could remember or they had one major UFO event, at least in my case, and it almost did a, had a radical rewriting of their perceptual abilities, meaning once you come in contact with this phenomena, you are forever changed. And it's, you know, I made an analogy in my book. If humans, let's say, have the possibility of being aware of channels 1 through 10, most people are aware of 1 through 3, natural psychics 4 and 5, 
And anything above that, you have to train for. That's what we were doing at the Monroe Institute. It was amazing what humanity can train to be aware of. There at that institute, I was introduced to people that had extraordinary abilities. And guess what? We trained like in precision, meaning Michael Jordan was a great basketball player, but when he practiced up a bit, he was extraordinary. Um, I tell humanity, I tell people, it is amazing what we can do as human beings. I don't know why that's... um, oversimplified, you know, everybody wants to, you know, just, you know, focus on the external phenomena when, you know, humans, we are an intrinsic part of what is happening to us. And you can't leave that out of the quotient at all. And so it has been really extraordinary, the transformations a lot of my witnesses have gone through uh, by being involved in these events. I mean, cognitive gains, emotional gains, uh, perceptual gains, it's, it's pretty extraordinary how the phenomena uh, actually took a hold of them and actually, you know, whether it did that on purpose or not, you know, caused these changes. Now, people had different reactions to these things. Some people tried to shut it down. Some I never heard from again. <clears throat> but the people that really grappled with it came away pretty transformed. Well, that speaks to a question I want to ask you, Angelia. Um, In talking with you just to set up the interview um, and watching your videos and uh, coming through, I think, right now in this interview, you can really tell the sincerity and the genuine effort that you're making to create a safe space for your your witnesses, for your people who have experienced these phenomena. Um, So often people feel like, They can't talk to anyone about what's happened to them, even something as simple as a strange light that they saw. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about some of the steps that you take to help people open up about their experiences? Absolutely. Um, I train my team and, you know, my, all my team is all men, which is great. You know, um, I really relate uh, to you guys. I'm very analytical and not saying women aren't, but, um, but I tell them, I said, guys, if you come across gruff or if you come across, um, well, this is just business, which we have to stay professional. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to shut down. You have to be able to make a sincere emotional connection with someone. And I mean sincere. If I make a sincere emotional connection, that other person's going to be able to tell pretty soon, you know, um, whether they can trust me or not. And unless they can trust me, I've never betrayed one person. Like you guys said, I have a job in the real world. I'm not making money on this. Um, They're not going to give me the good stuff. They're just not. I mean, they're terrified, they're scared, they're, they don't want their reputations ruined. And so, you know, the, the very first step of all is just to get to know each other and set up, you know, a relationship of trust. I've known my witnesses now for years. I mean, they're still calling me periodically about what's happening to them. So I feel fortunate, you know, that I have these relationships that are ongoing So, you know, I train my young investigators. You have to be able to set up a a true, sincere, emotional relationship because what is happening to these people is extraordinary and it can be extraordinarily traumatizing to people. Mm -hmm. So I've had a lot of training in trauma and, um, you know, just emotional dynamics with people. And I'm very careful when I'm interviewing them. If I get any sense that they're activating we, you know, use certain techniques to calm people down, even if we're on the phone, get them grounded again. 
uh, we go slow with these things. There's no reason to hurry any of this. That's that's really good stuff. I, I you're you're right. Just people get so so scared. Um, and to make a sincere connection with somebody, uh, it goes a long way. I mean, just like I said, just speaking with you over the phone, I could tell. Um, and I'm really glad that there's a place where somebody's listening. You know, that's important. Well, there's a lot of great investigators and, you know, I feel honored guys. I feel honored. You guys wanted to talk to me tonight. You know, I feel like God made me UFO girl. I mean, really, I've been obsessed, you know, with this. As I told you guys, I really would cry. My mother would go, Ange, we didn't know what to do. You were really sad. You couldn't be on Star Trek Enterprise, you know. Um, you know, I, I really am obsessed with this in my heart. And it just goes beyond that. I think as humans, we just, I have seen it. I've had telepathic experiences. Um, I know what I've experienced. I mean, you know, when you've experienced something, you don't have to believe anymore. And just being with my witnesses, oh my, I mean, they are, you know, on the verge of incredible things here. I think we are as, as humans. And I think, not only am I curious about other life in the universe that may be trying to welcome us maybe into a greater world, but, you know, what are we capable of, you know, too? And so I really try to, you know, help my witnesses get through this terror and fear that grips all of them. And, you know, just be a friend, be there, be stabilizing till they can hopefully work through and get to the better part of the experience um, as they move through it. Because most of the time, things, the terrifying part starts to calm down to some degree. So I, I have a question. This one's a little bit organic, so I'm not going to. Um, mm-hmm. You uh, you mentioned that the, the beings trying to welcome us into a, um, a greater a greater world. Um, can you elaborate on that? Because so much of what what we hear is like negative. Um, uh, you know, I'm on the uh, I'm on the conspiracy theories, um, like thought process with a lot of things. And so much of it is negative. So much of what we we hear, like um, we did one on alien tax, an episode on alien taxonomy. And it was so negative. There was very few positive related interactions. Do you feel like that is? The lizard people controlling the government. Well, the lizard people control. Do you feel like that is a yeah. uh, that is a a human well, you know construction what, being portrayed onto that, or do you feel like it it's it's really negative forces out there? Well, you know what, guys. Again, this is my personal opinion. Nobody knows. I've been doing this thirty-seven years, and I have met some unusual people that I'm going to say that I kind of wondered if they could have been from somewhere else. <laughs> Uh, but nobody knows for sure. And if anyone says they know for sure, you need to run to the nearest exit. You know, I mean, maybe someone deep in the government that's been doing this can give you some answers. But guys, come on. You know, I tell people we have to think really big and we have to use all of our internal resources. Look how many different types of humans there are. All the colors, cultural differences, religious differences, political agendas. Now expand that to an unlimited universe and then you've got 
probably, you know, beings in our spatial dimension, interdimensionals, extra dimensionals. I mean, you probably got a little bit of every kind of phenomena going on. Some don't give a crap about humans. Some want to just come in here and raid our resources. Some, you know, are probably benevolent and they're probably the ones that leave us alone to some degree because they've got some morality, let's say, and don't want to interfere with our own, you know, natural um, progression as we go along. So I tell people, be really careful about, you know, all of that, you know, getting lost in all that, you know, keep an open mind and use your good senses. You know, I've been around some really negative things. I will tell you they exist. Are they all negative? No. I tell people there's rattlesnakes and bunny rabbits. I mean, you know, if I learn where, where rattlesnakes reside, I'm just going to avoid, you know, putting my hand down in a hole in the ground that might be full of rattlesnakes. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that there's not extraordinary things also, you know, to be explored. Yeah. And so I think people get really, you know, tied up in this dichotomy or this, you know, well, everything is this or that. Nothing is ever black and white, you know ever. I mean, just with humanity, look how complex we all are. Now, let's put that on alien, you know, an alien culture and different alien cultures that may be, you know, working together. I mean, you know, you have good humans working together and bad humans. I think it can get very complex, if you know what I mean. You know, you could have like the some good Pleiadians or bad Pleiadians and good greys and bad greys. I mean, I'm just making an analogy there. So, you know, I think we have to be really careful about those things um, as, as far as saying that we have a definition because I've had witnesses have all kinds of experiences with different things. Right. Lee and I found out that is quite the rabbit hole to go down. Um, oh, yeah, there's a lot there. Um, but exactly. I, I think that. there's um, a lot of, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, I, I, the word I'm looking for, I, I, it's escaping me. There is a lot of people that are very sure of themselves is probably the best way to put it um, on these on these stories. And it turns into something that is, to me, a little unrealistic. I think I feel more like you do. I feel like there's probably good and bad if there is other existence out there. Um, and also that exactly. interdimensional Bigfoot is most likely the um the way the bigfoot travels between our dimension i just had to drop that in there because you mentioned dimensions <laughs> right oh lee lee's always trying to slip in his interdimensional bigfoot theory um but uh something that hey lee guys mentioned... listen one of my one of my best friends that i just met i was invited to a bigfoot conference about three or four years ago and i thought oh goodness um, and you know, I told the guys, I said, I'm not a Bigfoot hunter. They go, we don't care. We know you just come talk about UFOs. I go, okay, guys, I met one of my best friends. These are some, these guys that I hung out with now. I mean, they invite me on top secret, um, research events. I'm invited to one in Georgia that I'm just, I'm going to, you know, guys, you don't realize what we have to do. We have to get snake pants. So we're snake. not bitten by, you know, oh, snakes no. while we're, I'm not oh, kidding. I'm no. not kidding you guys. I mean, people don't realize I have to wear, we have to wear pants all the way up. So we're not bitten by snakes while we're out in the field. Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, these guys are serious. We've had some incredible things. You're talking about the interdimensional thing. I don't know if you're kidding about that. But I've had researchers that actually went missing for a second. And, you know, we have new rules. No one ever goes it alone, ever. 
Um, you know, some of these good old boys, like I said, they've been carrying a gun since they were four. And I don't believe in any of this stuff. I love these guys. They're awesome. I've been raising horses for 40 years. So I've been out in the woods my whole life on horseback. You know, I know the woods. I can track. Um, you know, I've been tracked by cougars before and all kinds of stuff. But when these guys come up to me and they tell me they're not going to go back in a certain part of the woods ever again, and some of these guys are terrified. One of my best friends, you guys should interview him, Matt Delph. I don't know if he's listening. Well, if he'll listen to the show when this goes live. But, you know, he was 19 years old out deer hunting. This thing came out of the woods and threw a stick at him. He's 50 years old and he's been hunting ever since. So when, you know, men like of that kind of stature, that kind of integrity, weren't looking for this, they come and tell me this happened. Um, yeah, something happened to him for sure. And I think we'd all, you know, what's so, what I don't like is if something of this magnitude is happening, people, thousands of people go missing. Um, and, you know, we've been in the thick of it. Why are we not being told that? You know, that worries me. Would you let your little children play down in the, some of these wooded areas? Um, you know, I mean, some of the things that, that happen are pretty extraordinary. So, you know, I'm very careful with things. I'm not just Pollyanna. I mean, just like I said, you know, there's positive things and then there's negative things. Our world is just riff with it. So, yeah. And, yeah. and I don't well, want to. And actually, Lee is really serious about his interdimensional Bigfoot theory. Like, that's our, that's kind of our grand unifying theory of paranormal activity. I think that a lot um, of it, personally, I think that a lot of it could be explained by interdimensional, like just the crossover from dimensions. Um, but I, I, I do make light of it a little bit, but I'm not, I'm not disparaging it by any means. But I just like to drop in the interdimensional Bigfoot as a, yeah. as a little thing here. <laughs> we our our theme, our, uh, our uh, mascot is a, uh, a Bigfoot and he is, uh, his name is Shifty. <laughs> so He's shifting. Yeah, he's shifting awesome. through the dimensions. Well, you know what, guys? Oh. There's all kinds of cool technology. I mean, um, believe it or not, if you get a high enough magnetic field going in just the right way, it can bend light. Um, and if you bend light, um, you're not going to, you know, I tell people they think they're seeing objects. No, photons enter your eye. You know, that's what you're getting there. So if you can affect the light, you're going to affect what you perceive. Um, you know, I love the science. I mean, you know, you understand, you start to understand the science and you'll start to get some clues as to what could be happening to us, but you have to study human perception for sure. I mean, to really understand. Um, well, and just a couple things I want to touch on before we get to our next question. Uh, Lee talked about negativity. Um, I saw some really great stuff about how negativity, like, affects people's mind and why dystopias are so popular. Um, and there's a couple of new books and stuff out on it. And I think that uh, some of that negativity is projected onto all of these phenomenon. Um, and then uh, the other thing is... Uh, I lost it. <laughs> this, uh, this interdimensional Bigfoot theory. I love it. Lee got me going. Sorry, guys. Side. Lee... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, wrap us up, my man. Okay, so, sorry, that was me, huh? It's off to me. I apologize. Oh my gosh, Lee. Lee, you're not ready. I'll cut this all out. I apologize. Okay. So, tell us a little bit more about your book and what it deals with and how your listeners can get a cop. How our listeners can get a copy. <laughs> Okay, the book is UFO Encounters, How High Strange Events uh, Transform Human Perception. 
and it's a, I think it's about 18 to 20 of um, some of my high-profile cases over the last 37 years. We have missing time. We have low-range sightings. We have entities appearing in uh, work restrooms and disappearing through walls. Um, we have uh, moments Whoa. of telepathy. We have paranormal events, and even Bigfoot shows up in a couple of chapters. So um, I just kind of wanted a well-rounded um you know, presentation of things that I've actually investigated. Uh, they were my personal investigations from my personal case files. I didn't read these out of a book. You know, I really worked with the witnesses, that kind of thing. And then the last two chapters, you know, I, I hope I'll keep people with it. But, you know, there's a chapter called Perception 101, which is just a primer on how humans perceive. You got to understand that. And then the final chapter is just some conclusions I come to about, um, again, how this phenomena affects human perception. It is almost like uh, people's neuroanatomy is actually rewritten once they have uh, actually interacted with this phenomena. And it's almost like you can't go back. Once you are able, you know, to perceive channels one through eight, you perceive channels one through eight. And I think a lot of this phenomena... You've taken the red pill. And, you know, a lot of this phenomenon, I think, has been around humanity all along. It has been, you know, these things have been being reported for thousands of years. It's not like it's new. You know, everybody acts like that. Well, if you go back and look at historical documents, biblical things, I mean, I'm reading a book right now that um, are newspaper articles back from till 1720. You guys wouldn't believe all the newspaper articles of Bigfoot. They called him wild man trying to run off with women and, you know, posses going out trying to hunt these things down. And I mean, these were when people were pretty innocent. They were just reporting, you know, I mean, this book is like an inch and a half thick of newspaper articles. So, you know, these things have been going on a really long time. They've been with humanity a really long time. And um, I just think it's extraordinary that we always want to leave humanity out of the equation. I think we can't do that anymore. We have to Look at how we perceive and how that's affecting us and how I feel that people are actually transforming. Really cool. Um, I remembered what I was going to say. I've been, I've got a Bigfoot hunter story in my back pocket that we're working on for the show, but uh, um, you're, you're absolutely right. These things go back centuries uh, and especially with people who are very connected uh, to the land, uh, hunters, farmers, outdoorsmen, sky watchers, people who are uh, just in tune with the earth and their surroundings, uh, they perceive uh, the strangeness better than others. And I think uh, the book is going to be a great example for our listeners. Um, it is UFO Encounters, How High Strange Events Transform Human Perception. It's available on Amazon. Um, is there an ebook too? Perfect. This is going to be great. Um, we've been speaking with Angelia Shear. Her website is angeliashear.com. You can search for her YouTube videos by going by just searching Angelia Shear. That's her YouTube channel. So, guys, go ahead, check it out. Check out the book. Um, the YouTube videos are 100% worth your time. They're great. Definitely yeah. go check those out. And if you. If you like what you see, go buy the book because it's going to be even more of that good stuff. So thank you, Angelia, for coming on. This has been 
uh, really good. I think this is going to be one of the most informative shows we've ever put out. Um, and I think people are going to really respond to it. Thank well, guys, you very thank much, you so for much. Joining uh, us. I'm honored that you guys wanted me to come on the show. And anytime you guys let me know, as you said, one more thing, um, as the book comes out, I am going to, um, I've just kind of started my YouTube, you know, that's not what I was about, but I thought, you know, people kind of want to know and they're used to YouTube things. So I may start to interview uh, some of my witnesses that are in the book and we might actually do some videos, some actual, because people like to see the person and hear what happened to them in their own words. So you guys, thank you again. It was a lot of fun and um, I really appreciate you having me on the show. No, thank you. All right. Thanks, Angelia. Are you a fan of movies? Or comics? Or video games? Or just anything else nerdy? Well, you should check out the Zing Zing This This Podcast. Podcast. And that's spelled Z-E-N-G. This. And we have nerdy topics from comic book reviews to in-depth analysis of iconic nerdy movies, as well as video game discussions. Mm Mm-hmm. Where's some of the best places to find us, Allie? Well, Podbean, of course. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Podcasts. Yeah. So check us out. Once again, that is Zing, Zing This. Okay, Beyonders, welcome back to the barn. That was a pretty great interview, wasn't it, Dan? I am so excited. I'm very gracious to Angelia for taking the time to join us. Um, She's just like a really genuine, um, nice person to talk to. (laughs) And uh, for her to take the time out of her busy schedule, she's an author. She's got a day job. Um, You heard her say the the last couple of years, uh, ever since the Tic Tac videos have come out, um, and even a little bit before that, there is a heightened perception of UFOs and her and her team are actually really busy investigating all kinds of different sightings. And that, that's absolutely amazing. It goes right in line with what Dan and I have been talking about feeling like, um, like there, there's an uptick in, in at least the awareness of UFOs and, and bringing it forward, um, where it's not as, it's not as, it doesn't feel as stigmatized as it used to feel. Um, which I no, think definitely. is great for the UFO community. It's great for disclosure in general. Um, that being said, I mean, there's always people that are going to poo-poo on it. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to see that it seems like things are starting to go in the in the positive direction for those people that have experienced something that they can't explain, but they feel alone and uh, they, they don't want to tell anybody about it because they feel like they'll be made fun of. Yeah, for sure. I think this is one of the real positives of um, maybe more of this 21st century kind of PC ideas that we have about mental health um, is actually people have open been able to open up a lot more, even about weird stuff like uh, seeing a UFO. And I think um, people, you know, Angelia has a very uh, like humanistic approach to what she does. Uh, where she puts her witnesses at the forefront and her care for them. So I think it's really, uh, I don't know, one of the one of the marks of the times that we're living in. 
Um, but one of the things that she touched on just a little bit, Lee, and I don't want to dive into this too deep because it's probably a whole episode's worth of stuff. Um, but she said we might be living in a time of soft disclosure. I've been digging deep into UFO Twitter and, uh, a lot of people kind of share the same sentiments. What do you think? You know, my issue is I feel like, and this is the conspiracy theory side of me, um, coming through and I'm like making all this, like, this is me. I got these hand gestures going. Um, but I feel like the, uh, the thought process on soft disclosure, I truly hope it's going on. But I also I also look at false flag events and different things like that and think, well, are they telling us this so that they can hide the fact that they're um, they created things like the coronavirus or something like that? Are they are they giving us nuggets that we can chew on and keep us um, keep us nice and docile um, while they're injecting us with uh, test um, chemicals and different things like that. Um, that being said, man, I hope soft, soft disclosure is really happening. I would love to live in a world where aliens existed. I would love to be on, on, the, on the Starship Enterprise. Um, you know, I would prefer the, you know, the next generation version. I know Miss Angelia said uh, she, she wanted the... Uh, the original Starship Enterprise. I'm not really a Kirk fan. I'm more of a Picard fan. Uh, I want to get in on some of that Earl Grey tea. And, uh, yeah. Look, um, Lee, I'm with you um, a little bit about the Picard thing. Um, I'm I'm probably... I'm probably more of a Janeway person myself. But, you know you what? Know, I liked Janeway that. also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but... Um, I, you know, there's something to be said about the Kirk era. It was uh, a little bit more debonair. Uh, but, um, okay. I start, feel like this is an inappropriate um, episode to say this on, but I'm going to say it anyway. You mean boning hot aliens? Well, oh, I said debonairly. Debonair. Oh, there's a difference. Oh, yeah. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. yeah. Angelia, please don't blacklist us for that one. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, but I mean, it is that is a common criticism of Kirk, and um, I'll grant you it's fair. But um, <laughs> the the Star Trek stuff's neither here nor there. Um, we just we're just nerds. We're into Star Trek, but um, I don't know. I don't know about soft disclosure, Lee. I'm a little bit skeptical myself. Uh, it's just like this idea that a guy like Tom DeLong went to the skunk works and they just like, here you go. Here's all the UFO stuff. Um, it, it doesn't sound quite right to me. It seems, it seems like, uh, maybe something's been put out there to put us off. And that's why I like Angelia's stories. Um, a lot more than some of the stuff that's going out right now is because she is a person who is very sincere, who's very genuine, who is not out there uh, making a ton of money off of this. I mean, she holds down a regular day job. I'm very skeptical of people who are 
you know, are are big in the field of big in quotation marks in the field of um, UFO research. I I just have to say you were about to say people that make money off UFO research. Isn't that what we're trying to do? By the way, guys, go to our Patreon page. <laughs> there is different options there. You can choose your uh, your payment plan um, and you can get more of us. <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, you know, we're giving people something in return. Um, and these are wild and crazy people who want to actually listen to us in the first place. Uh, Fair enough. So, yeah, yeah. Um, And we appreciate it uh, 100%, especially our Ugandan listeners. Uh, Boom! Shout out to you guys. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I'm... That's why why I think Angelia's story is better than a lot of the stuff that is out there right now. And I encourage our listeners to check out... um, if, If you're not sure about dropping the money on a book go check out the youtube videos and you will be convinced one way or the other i'm telling you i think the book's worth it i'm definitely going to check it out especially if you can get it on like an ebook format cuts the cost a little oh, yeah. bit yeah oh yeah for sure um and Heck, it still I, supports I, angelia too so uh i i love a paperback i'm gonna get the paperback and uh hopefully one day take it up so she can get it signed Ooh, that's a great idea oh man yeah my man yeah. Now that see, you mentioned there you that, go. dang it. Um, uh huh. So I, I you're ad- right there in the Bell Witch's backyard. She's just a stone's throw away down in uh, Music City suburbia. Yeah. <laughs> How many nicknames do you think we could come up with for the different areas that we're in? <laughs> like- I I'm never gonna call a city by its name. Is if I can help it. Okay. All right. If we can help it, we will avoid calling cities by their name um, when we're discussing locations. Yeah. It's a deal. I love, I love a good nickname. But you were saying something like, yeah, I was, um, you mentioned the, the Tom DeLonge, you know, um, a lead singer from a punk rock band, which I love, by the way, don't get me wrong. Um, can go to, you know, skunk works and, and get all the information. I'm with you on that. To me, it seems like, and and I I think I tried to say this, I don't know if I was clear about it, but it seems like the little piece of cheese that the scientist rewards the rat with um, just before they inject them with something to test on them. Um, It seems like they're like, here, here, look, look, Tom, here you go. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Disseminate mm-hmm. that to all of your people so that they'll shut up. So, mm-hmm. and I hate yeah, to say I, that. I, I want I want disclosure. I just don't know if we're actually in a, a realm of disclosure yet or not. Um, and then, oh, hey, one more thing, Lee, um, about what's going on, the current state of uh, ufology uh what do you think about a lot of people have been using uap instead of ufo unidentified aerial phenomenon which would you like better ufo uap you know what? I'm, I'm a classic guy i like the fr- i like the the ufo all of it means mm-hmm. the same thing and here's the bottom line they're changing the they they change it uh, because 
it gets stigmatized because we're mm-hmm. still stuck in apparently a world where once you've decided something is like stupid or silly, you're going to stigmatize that forever. The phrase UFO now is synonymous with aliens. It's, it shouldn't be. It's an unidentified flying object. Now, okay, phenomenon, I guess, makes a little more sense because now we're talking less in the... It, it's going more to spirituality kind of feel. Like, she's talking, or Miss um, Shear's talking about more, um, more like orbs and things like that. And yeah, though those things don't necessarily have a physical, like a corporeal being. So is it a phenomenon more than it's an object? I guess technically yes, but I'm gonna say I'm a classic. Uh, I'm a classic kind of guy. I want to stick with the object. Yeah. Well, um, and I think maybe they use the term phenomenon, um, like. If it was like swamp gas reflecting off another life light source, you'd be like, oh, that's a phenomenon. Like, that's a r- very rare physical occurrence, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, like, I, at the same time, I feel like if you can't call it what it is, if you can't come out and say that's a UFO, um, is it is it really serious? And I know, like, this day and age with the military's soft disclosure... I think that's the term they're using now in a lot of these uh, programs, the ATIP and all that sort of stuff that's out there. So, I, you know, I'm not sure. But I'm going to stick with UFO. I like it. Um, I think it's something that people understand better. Um, and I think we're going to go with that. I like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. This has been Beyond Terrestrial. I'm glad you were able to come hear us tonight. Um, I'm excited for this episode to drop. I'm excited to see where we go in this month. And guys, I don't know if you've been on the bandwagon yet or not, but you should get on the bandwagon. We are doing meme. What is it? Meme. March meme. Oh my gosh. <laughs> March memeness. March memeness. Lee, you came up with the name. I did come up with the name. March memeness. <laughs> This has been going since the beginning of the month. We're going to run the entire month. Get your memes out there. Let's have them related to Beyond Terrestrial or some of our friends at Fourth Hand. Or you know what? Let's just go with any sort of meme. If if it's on our page, we're going to like it. Keep it appropriate. Don't make it in a, um don't make it anything gross. Poop and fart yeah, jokes. Please follow Facebook. Please follow Facebook's rules of conduct. We don't want to get banned and kicked off the platform. But other than that, guys, let's have some fun. Yeah, let's have a good time. Um, and thank you, Beyonders, for coming out. I think this is going to be super informative. Keep in mind some of the things Angelia said uh, about what to do. If you see something in the sky that doesn't look like a bird or a plane, what could it be, Lee? <laughs> could be interdimensional Bigfoot, but you never know. It could be. It could be interdimensional Bigfoot. It could be interdimensional grays. It could be a saucer. It could be a cigar. It could take a 90 degree turn. It could stop. It could drop. It could roll. roll. <laughs> Guys. Um, Speaking of that, I hate to interrupt. I'm, I know we're trying to wrap this up, but have you heard of this bat squatch thing? What? Oh. Oh. 
Okay, this is going to probably be an episode on its own. It was one of the winners of Miss Cryptid, um, which, if you guys don't know, a show called Blurry Photos, it's one of our friends on the Fourth Hand Network. They do a Miss Cryptid every year, um, and that Miss Cryptid, it was the winner. Bat Squatch is essentially what it sounds like. It is Sasquatch crossed with a bat. Sorry, you mentioned flying, and I thought about that. Wow. Um... And that's like a thing that someone actually saw? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know what? Angelia said there's a lot of weird stuff out there. A lot of people who are experienced hunters and outdoorsmen uh, who know what they're talking about go out and see something that they cannot explain. Um, so, wow. That's going to be a good one. I, I would love to do that. Let's do it. Bat Squatch. Bat Squatch. All right. Sorry That's about that. Sorry show. about that. Back to closing out the show. Thanks, Beyonders, for listening to us. Um, we hope you appreciated our interview with Angelia Shear. Um, we did we did a really serious interview, and we had to decompress a little bit after that. Her, her interview was just so informative. Um, guys, check out her book. Um it is called UFO Encounters, How High Strange Events Transform Human Perception. It's available on Amazon. Um, if you liked what you heard, um, go to her website. If you have any sightings um, around Tennessee that you think need to be investigated. Um, if you just are into Beyond Terrestrial, uh, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. Um, there's about a million ways to check us out, Lee. Sign us off. Guys, thank you so much. Have a wonderful night. And always remember to keep looking out there beyond terrestrial. Thank you for listening to Beyond Terrestrial Podcast. You can check us out on Apple Pod, Google Play, and other major podcast platforms. And if you want to keep up with the show goings on, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Beyond T Pod. That's Beyond the Letter T Pod. And as always, you can get all of that information as well as show notes and episodes as they come out on beyondterrestrial.com. That's right, we got the .com. And if you want to help out the show, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or a like and a review wherever you listen to Beyond Terrestrial. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint. Thank you.